Pentecost, the Passover actually, uh, as the, he and his disciples would make their way. And I, all week long I've been thinking about Palm Sunday and what it can mean to us and how that uh, palm, P-A-L-M, is uh, praising a loving master. And that's why we've come today, to praise a loving master. And that is Palm, Palm Sunday. So I'd like to ask you, if you would, uh, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 29 through 41. I'd like for you to stand for the reading of those words. And as we complete the reading of it, I want us to visualize Jesus coming into the holy city. And as the story would tell us over in John especially, that they had palm branches that they would uh, put before him. And so I have placed out some. I didn't have enough for everybody, but many of you. And I'd like to ask you if you would, uh, when I conclude the reading of the story, and Sister Linda will uh, complete the story with a verse that she will share. And as we do, would you please make way for Jesus and acknowledge his coming by the waving of the fern that you have today. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go ye into the village against you and the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied whereon yet never man is set, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man asked you, why do ye loose him? Thou shalt say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owner thereof said unto, him, unto them, why loose ye the colt? And they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, and when he was come nigh even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke these disciples, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if those should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry, cry out. And when he was come not near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. In John's gospel, I just want to share a verse or two there with you also. John, uh, the 12th chapter, verses uh, 12 and 13. And on the next day, people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches of they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord.
our Heavenly Father, our gracious Lord, our Savior, that wonderful one that came to live, to die, and to raise from the grave to make it possible that we one day could have hope far beyond this world, that heaven awaits all who believe, and we trust Lord Jesus this morning if there's even one here today that has not been saved, that today would be a day to acknowledge you as Savior and that, Lord, they can have that promise in their hearts also. We praise your name today, Lord. Hosanna in the highest, our great and loving Savior. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I had already been asked, been questions aroused, and wonders about what the rocks were doing up here today. It's not a reprimanding rock if you was to go to sleep. It's not a stone that could do much of anything and is carved from the ground from which it was made by God himself. You'll understand in a moment why I brought these two stones. Because I want to share the story of Jesus the story that would lead him from Capernaum on his way with the disciples to go to Jerusalem to take part in the Passover, a very special time for Jesus and for the Jewish people because they would reflect back on, even back in Genesis and Exodus, where it talks about the Passover that would be held that God told Moses to put in motion, that they would be able to have a remembrance of how that they passed from the Egyptian bondage into the the land of promise on their way to the promised land that God had told Abraham they could have. But not only was it the, the Passover of the Red Sea, the Passover from the bondages of Egypt, but it was also the Passover, you know, when, that Jesus would be called the Paschal Lamb, the Lamb that was shed for the remission of sins. And it was on that day that the Lamb's blood was spread on the doorpost, that the death angel would pass by the Hebrew children as they would come through the area and would smote those that did not have God in their hearts and minds. And so the Passover was very special. In the very beginnings of the stories of the Bible, and it became even more special, I suppose, when Jesus Christ himself became the final sacrifice of the Lamb that would take away the sins of the world. God instituted in the very beginning that it took a blood sacrifice for the remission of sins. But no longer when Jesus would come would it be needful that an innocent lamb and or animal would be offered for sacrifice because Jesus would become that final sacrifice for the sins of the world. And I'm so glad today that I can claim that. But as we look at the story and Jesus coming in to, towards the city, uh, we see him pass by many places. He passed by Jericho to bring salvation to the last soul he could save before his cross would come. That man's name was Zacchaeus. And he would go on traveling on through miracle after miracle, parable after parable he would share with the disciples in a great big need in his heart to let them know why he came and why he was going. And so I know today it seems like uh, as Palm Sunday, it's probably a week before Jesus would be arrested or crucified. And it is a time that we know that Jesus needed to come to the holy city of Jerusalem. And by the way, Jerusalem indeed was and still is today a special place in the mind and hearts of Jesus 
God the Savior and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But I believe that as Jesus would come near the city, he would feel like that there was one special need he wanted to do, and that was to show people he had come and that he was coming in the name of God the Father, that he was coming because he realized that salvation was going to be able to make possible for people to go beyond the grave to the skies as was sung. And uh, I just like so much to read this story. And, and uh, verse 38, I guess it is, said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and on earth. And you know, God did not just send his son to make salvation possible, though that's the grand of grands. God did not just send his son to have a way that we could live after this life, and he did, and praise God for that. But he came that we might have an abundance of earthly living, that we might have a joy in being alive and, and in a world that was created by God, in a world that was made so well by the hands of our maker that we can understand that Jesus wanted to cap that with crucifixion and with pronouncing a love in a dimension that the world had never understood. And even yet still when he came and gave his life, still was not able, man was not able to comprehend the magnitude of what God had done. And I don't know about you, I'm a child of God. I've been saved by the grace of God. I've been made atonement for my sin by Jesus Christ my Savior. And, uh, and I, I want that to, to just stay embedded in my heart, but I also want to tell others about that joy. I want you to know that that's one of the things that you are called to do, to tell others about Jesus and how uh, the blessedness of believing in, in an almighty God. But Jesus knew as he would get closer and closer to the city that some would celebrate his coming. But he also knew that there would be hatred in the air as he'd already experienced some ridicule and some hard times. And I, I've often thought when Jesus got close to coming to the gates of the city, was he sad? Was Jesus almost ready to burst out in a horrifying cry? I think maybe at times he was. But I also think sometimes that it was on high notes as he would tell the disciples many things and instructions he wanted to leave them as he would say that I want you to go and tell others about what has taken place. It is not going to stop here, Peter, James, and John, and others. It continues, and he gave the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel and tell others about what I'm doing and what I have done. I was just thinking this week, all week long, I've, I've been in the different gospels that shares about uh, the gospel, uh, about the story that Jesus came into the city. But I seem to always center in on the fact that Jesus came to the edge of the city. And the Bible says he looked over the city and in one of the gospels says, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you under my wings as a hen gathers his chicks and you wouldn't let me. And you know that broke my heart because I'm wondering if there hasn't been times in my life that I know that Jesus wanted to gather me under his care and I reluctantly walked in selfish ways. Have you been there? I'm sure we all have. And I'm sure that Jesus maybe has been saddened by our response to what he wants us to do. And so the question comes, have you made Jesus cry lately?
Have you made Jesus sad lately in your life of what you have done and said? I'm sure that we all could say, oh, I'm afraid so. But Jesus was there at the edge of the city, and as he looked over, the Bible says, he began to weep. But as he stood there and the, the disciples and others that came out of the city to welcome the Savior and that knew who he was and why, they began to rejoice, as we read, and began to praise God. And blessed is the man that come in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna, and they cried out the more. And the, some of the Pharisees tried to get Jesus to cause the, his followers to hold it down a little bit. As I read that story... I thought about, you know, Jesus was just about to pronounce the first rock concert that had ever been because he said, I tell you what, if I were to tell these folks to be quiet, even the stones would cry out. Did you ever hear a rock cry out? What do you think they might say? One might say, I was the one who was put in the sling that the psalmist David killed the giant with. One might say that I was the one who was used to build an altar that Elijah built, stood at the edge of that altar and had read the story, by the way, one time, when I was in Holy Land. One of them might have said, but I was the one whom Solomon used to build the temple. Jesus might have said, pick up that little rock over there. That represents, and that stone wants to say, I am the foundation that I want you to build your life on. I want that solidness that will stand strong when the storm comes, and they will. I want to be that stone that cries out. But today, the stones doesn't have to cry out. We won't let them, because we want to cry out. We want to be the one to cry Jesus. We want to be the one that says what the stones might say if we didn't. So if you don't want to hear the noise from the rocks this morning, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did and for your coming. John's gospel talks about how that uh, as they came in towards the city that they sent someone and even their Luke's account here also uh, as they sent two of the disciples to go get a, a, a animal, a donkey, or whatever it might have been, to, to ride into the city on. And, and you know what? I, I think about that a lot. I think it'd been kind of neat, Jesus riding on a big white horse. But he didn't come in a commanding, demanding, leadership way, but he came as a humble servant on a, a meekly animal, on an animal that's, uh, the old saying is, dumb as a mule but on something that was not even worthy maybe for the Son of Man to sit on, but Jesus came with the humble entrance that he would lift up the poor, the downtrodden, the ones that could know without trouble with things of the world of what Jesus was trying to do and say. So as they began to praise a loving master, Palm Sunday was born was born in the hearts and minds of the disciples and even still continues to be a very foundation, the very, the very launching pad of our salvation, the very, very thing that we stand on today because of the joy that we have in our souls, because it's been saved by the grace of God and all because of what Jesus did that day. 
he was about to give his life and just a week before he would enter the city and there's many stories told as he got into the city and found his temple being used in the wrong way and he drove out the money changers and several stories there. But you know, as I tried to pick places in the Bible to to share about Jesus' entry, his triumphant entry, by the way, just before he got there, and I've shared it recently, it was also that there on the mountain that Jesus took his disciples and was transfigurated. You see, before Jesus wanted to make that triumphant entry with the presence of God the main part of it all, he had to get close enough to God to let the love of God reflect through him that they not only seen a man, but they seen a savior. They seen the son of God pronouncing with loud tones of love what it took for him to present salvation. You know, one of the things that, that I feel a lot of times when I read the story in Easter season and read the story prior to the, the coming of the cross, I often wonder, you know, Lord, I, I'm not even worthy to, 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 to say any more about you. You've said it all, and what else could I say, and what else could I ponder with? And, but I kept saying, you know, Satan thought he had won. Satan thought that he was getting close enough to the cross, but he was just about to sever the Son of God, and he would do that through one of his own. Satan thought, I'm sure, I know someone that will betray Jesus, and it's Judas. And Judas indeed would be the one to do just that, for he sold the Son of Man for just a few pieces of silver. The Bible says it had been better if the son of perdition, talking about Judas, had never been born. But you know what was said as they got into the, uh, to the uh, supper, the last supper, the Lord's supper that they uh, partook, partook of with? Jesus was talking about someone that sups with me will betray me. All the disciples asked if it was them. Did you know that Judas asked the same question? Judas said, Lord, is it I? Did he not know? Had Satan not entered his heart just yet? Was it a deceiving question to Jesus for Judas to say such? I don't know. I do know this. That somewhere down the line of life, Judas left out some important things. And the Bible wouldn't have said it had been better if he'd never been born had it not been. And you know, something else that I see in this, and that's this very true and special something. Did you know Jesus loved Judas just as much as he loved Peter and James and John? He loved Judas. He loved Judas and he had striven or had strove or whatever the word is to, to, get, uh, to get Judas to change his ways. He realized that he was walking in that direction and what else could he have said or done to cause Judas to not have done what he did? The crisis that Jesus bore on the cross was a, such a time of trouble but it was a spiritual growth mark. And I say that to say this because sometimes we have crises in our lives and they are spiritual growth marks in life. Because you see, if we, if we had it all a bed of roses and, and no troubles, no trials or tribulations, 
we wouldn't even need faith. But we need faith because we follow by faith, not by sight. You know, if we've seen it all, could understand it all, we wouldn't need faith whatsoever. But faith lifts us into the realms of God's presence that he might touch us and use us as he would, as he will. I read a story about a, a, a barge, a loaded barge in the New York Harbor had sunk. And they tried with machinery after machinery to lift it. The cranes and all would go down. The divers would hook to it. And they could not lift that loaded barge. And so someone, a special engineer of God, said, bring another barge and set it beside this one. And let's watch close. And when the low tide comes, hook the barge real quick. You know what crane lifted that loaded barge? It was God's crane. The tides of the river, the tides of the ocean would raise that barge and bring it to surface. That's the power of God in your life. That's the power of God in my life. To be able to be raised by the powers of God, none other is greater than the power of Almighty God. And so the power of the cross is ours today because we want to praise his name. And we know, Lord, that you'd rather hear us praise your name than to hear the sounds of rocks shattering in the distance. So let's not let the rocks make noise today because we want to say, praise Jesus, praise God. And I just love the song, Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's Jesus. So I want us to have an invitation hymn this morning before we enter into what Jesus did, and we want to follow him by partaking of the Lord's Supper. And, but I want us to just have an invitation, him that would beckon us to come to the table. Not that we're worthy, but that we're willing. That's the call. And I am worthy and you, child of God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you bow with us in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for your love just runs over and over in our minds and hearts, Lord, of what you was willing to do that we could have salvation. But Lord, we just pray if there's someone here today that hasn't been saved, that Lord, just the thoughts of your will for everybody to come to know him, just the thoughts, Lord, of what you were willing to do that would cause someone to say, I need a savior like that. Oh, what a Savior it can be to you today if you need salvation. Whatever that need is, the child of God, if there's a need to move closer into God, to get close enough you can hear what he wants to say to you. Let's muster up your faith to be willing to follow when you hear. God, bless us in this, your invitation. In your precious name we pray. Amen.